0: This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Everton have won the World Cup after a (laughs) 0-0 draw at Goodison Park, leaving Liverpool's title challenge in tatters as they sit a point behind Man City in second in the Premier League table. I'm Joe River and I'm joined by three fine gentlemen, Discuss yesterday's game. On my left is the p- tallest man in the newsroom, Tall Paul Goss. In the newsroom,
1: completely in the world. Yeah, I'll take that. Looks like
0: that yeah. How are we, Morag? Right, Joe, yeah, not yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah, good, good. Looking forward to WrestleMania. Uh,
1: yes, but it's still a few weeks away, isn't it? Be, the month.
0: You'd be favourite for that, won't you? Yeah,
1: yeah. Put me in the Royal Rumble.
0: Yeah, should be. Across the way from me is Theo Squires. How are you, Theo? I'm good, Joe. You? I'm good, thank you. And I made your wait for it. On my right is our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away. James Pierce, James, you've been getting plenty of positive feedback from Evertonians <laughs> this morning.
2: <laughs> I think I've been getting abuse from all sides, actually. Yeah, yeah can you tell the, us some
0: of the the well, the PC words that you can use to to describe?
2: The most offensive thing has being called a little Tory.
0: A little Tory. Yeah, I mean give you're them, not little, are you?
2: Give them the well, <laughs> maybe qualify as little, but certainly not a Tory. Mm. But um, but no, yeah, the Evertonians seem quite upset. I think I think just because I said that Liverpool would. Slipped down to their level and got dragged yeah. into a battle, and a lot of Liverpool fans seemed Who'd upset. P- who would fa- put
0: that in the headline of your verdict? <laughs> who would do such a I thing? Know, I, know, yeah. I don't want to name
2: names, Joe. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and obviously, there seems to be a lot of lot of anger amongst Liverpool fans who, who I, don't, I don't understand. You know, I've seen a lot of people saying, That's it. It's over. You know why? Are you, why are you trying to pretend it's not? And it's like Liverpool are a point behind Manchester City with. 27 points left left to play for. I'm sure we'll talk about it in detail. But you know, it was, you know, I wouldn't try and sugarcoat that performance. Um, and I, without doubt, it was two dropped rather than one gained. But it's not. It's not a disaster. It's you know, it the the title wasn't decided at Goodison on Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, regardless of the way that uh, Everton celebrated like it like it just had been.
0: They are enjoying it. Adam Jones, our reporter, bounced into the office this morning and has asked every Liverpool fan breathing that whether they're um, disappointed in their title challenge being in tatters. Paul, <laughs> I, I, my glass is a little half full here. I, I, think, I think you could argue that that wasn't a bad point for Liverpool at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, Liverpool going away to a team who were around about... Eighth or ninth or whatever, Everton. At the moment, you'd normally consider points dropped wouldn't you yeah. because Liverpool should be beating teams, you know, who were in mid-table. The if they've got serious designs and win the league, but Everton's a little bit different, and everyone knows it. And particularly this game, because let's face it, it was a massive game for Everton fans. They certainly let the players know from from the kick-off, didn't they? With the atmosphere they created, and they had a bit of a go, um, which Liverpool aren't used to, to seeing from Everton, are they? Particularly uh, at Anfield. You know, the the record is is so well-documented, September 99. But even at home, they they haven't won for October 2010 when Roy Archer was the manager. 19 games, they haven't even led since 2013. Um, So to see them come out and and have a bit of a go was a a little bit of a different mindset. And um, I think think the atmosphere, it it obviously helped Evan, but I think, I, I don't think it, I mean, looking at the if you if you listen if you watch the game with with the sound on mute, you couldn't you couldn't make a case for Everton being credible winners or you know they, they should have won that game. It was more just every slight half chance was was egged on by the fans and made it a bit of a hostile atmosphere. But other than Calvert Lewins, Heather, I can't really think of anything. Allison had too much to do. Liverpool just a bit of a flat going forward. I think there were a couple of chances where Mohamed um, Salah in particular were just a poor touch has taken the chance away from Michael Keane had an excellent game. Occasionally, Liverpool dwelled on it a little bit too much when they could have released the forward a bit quicker. And um, was at this point in result because Liverpool needed 30 points from 30 to win the league. But as James says, there's still 27 to play for. There's only a point in it. There will be twists and turns, and uh, City have still got to play United and Spurs. Liverpool have still got to play Chelsea and Spurs. So it's um, it's not the death knell that plenty on social media were predicting a full time, and still uh, plenty to play for.
0: Yeah, I spoke to a fair few Liverpool fans before the game on Friday and Saturday and there was a lot of confidence going into it. Everton haven't been at their best, albeit they did beat Cardiff 3-0 in midweek. But if you consider the the last few results at at Goodison Park, uh, 0-0 last season, 1-0 from a very late goal from Mane the season before that and 1-1 the season before that, there's been a lot of 0-0 draws as well in this fixture. Were we all a little bit naive to think that, that this game was perhaps an easily winnable one for Liverpool?
3: Yeah, it's become the game where um, both sides are almost scared of losing it. Um, I think before the game, uh, Roberto Martinez was saying that you always get the team that needs the win most. No matter what the form's like, they're the teams that come out and perform at Goodison. And I think that was definitely the case. Like we saw Everton brought up for the game. Um, Their season's pretty much over already. So they're obviously always going to be up for it. And it's probably getting to that stage now where um, Jurgen Klopp's been a bit more conservative with his team selection because he's scared of losing games or conceding silly goals. Like we saw in 2014, the 3-0 draw at Palace. Liverpool don't need to throw everything forward to get wins yet, just yet. Um, It's a good point going forward. And like we're saying, they're only a point behind now. So if they can still keep within touching distance of City, not conceding silly goals, getting clean sheets, like that's five in a row now, they're still in with a very good chance of... uh, toppling City at the top.
0: James, there'll be a few Liverpool fans this morning hurting and perhaps seeing those Evertonian taunts and and taking them to heart. But um, do you think it says a lot? I think Van Dijk said this after the game. It says a lot about the position Liverpool have put themselves in, that a nil-nil draw at Goodison is something that they're celebrating and and Liverpool's title challenge going a point behind, that people see it as being derailed.
2: Yeah, well, it just shows it is two clubs operating at very very different levels and that you look at what Liverpool are going for at the moment and and Everton you know what Klopp might have riled a few people with what he said in the build up to the game but he was right you know it was kind of a world cup final for them because you know they've had a, such a season of absolute massive underachievement they they desperately needed some kind of scout players fans and Marco Silva um to have something to cling to um and they played like it I still I, I I don't know how you can argue that's a good point though. Just just because I know Everton raised their game, but you know we are only talking about a few weeks ago. Liverpool, I think, had dropped what was it two points all season against teams outside the top six. True, but that, I don't, that's I don't think Everton have beaten a top ten team all season.
0: So it was, that was a remarkable record though, and it, that you would argue that looking at when you look at the last ten games, that, that trip to Goodison's the hardest away game that Liverpool had left.
2: Yeah, but no, I I, I still th- that game was there to be won. I, I think I, I think the week that, yeah. before the week before Old Trafford, I know United were were weakened and they had the injuries during the game. But I think I came away from that thinking, you know, Liverpool didn't play well, but mm. against a resurgent Man United, you know, probably would have taken a point before the game. In the game, Liverpool probably should have done better, didn't? But no, I, I I came away really really disappointed from Goodison just because, especially second half. When when Everton started to show some more ambition and you know Silver was quite positive with his substitutions, the game really opened up and you just thought Liverpool have just got to put together a decent five minutes here and they win this game. And you know they, they you know they you know three four big chances that they wasted. But aside from that, the number of times where they they countered and there was such great options and yeah. then yeah. the decision making was poor. And so now I I don't know. I don't, I, you know, who knows? Come May, hopefully we'll, we, we might look back on that result and think, you know, it wasn't a bad one. But it feels like it at the moment, just just because I think you know it felt that Everton were there for the taking, despite the fact that yeah they had to go, yeah they were much better than they have been, you know, during a, a terrible season for them. But you know, I, I just it, it was just frustrating because I, you know I thought that Liverpool, especially after what, what we'd seen against Watford. You know, that was, you know, the spark and the fluency seemed to be back. And I know it was it was always going to be a different type of game and the atmosphere was different. You know, the conditions, I know people all laugh at the fact Klopp was referencing the wind again and saying that it was... But if you see that,
0: he, did, he didn't use that as an excuse,
2: did no, he? he? just referenced it and said yeah. it
0: was a bit of a mad game. Cause...
2: Yeah, and, you know, whether you know, people like it or not, things like that do do play a part. Mm. Um But still, you know, it... I, I still think because the bar is just set so so high. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know. I came away feeling like that was a defeat. M- yeah, maybe yeah. maybe influenced slightly by the, the Everton reaction at the end as well. Yeah. Um, because obviously they they reacted like they they just won a derby, not the you know the most pathetic run in Merseyside derby history is now continuing for another season, but. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was just. I think the, we'll headline this pod: James calls Everton
2: It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. 19, when you think of, you know, Liverpool have been there for the taking a few times over the years in these fixtures, and, you know, like Everton hasn't been able to, to take advantage. But, you know, I, I really felt that yesterday was a chance to showcase why there is 33 points between the, the two neighbours, and, and Liverpool, you know, failed to, failed to deliver on the day.
0: It's well, ludicrous, but a lot of people are saying that Liverpool's title challenge is effectively over. But, you know, I saw a couple of people saying yesterday that City will win all their remaining games. But to do that, they'd actually put together well, they'd equal the longest winning streak in Premier League history, which is fourteen games, I think, Arsenal, two thousand and two. So that shows that you know the the mammoth task City would have to do to, to win all those games a lot of points will yeah. be dropped between now and May won't they
1: it will and it's not like City is strictly going for the Premier League either they've no got the, the Champions League setting the sights as well haven't they and they're still in the FA Cup and they've got injuries to key players so um, if they do that then fair play to them they'll be the deserved champions so um, that's a, a massive task for them to do that so Liverpool supporters basically need to hold the nerve Um We've only just gone into March, still nine games left, loads of points on offer and, and, you know, no one expected City to lose to Leicester or Palace. Um, So, you know, it it can happen. Liverpool have got a favourable run in Uh, before the weekend. I haven't quite seen the Premier League table today, but before the the weekend, Liverpool were playing five of the the bottom six, I think, in their final fixtures. So, um, Liverpool... If if they, if they perform like they did against Wofford, they'll turn it on and they'll pick up points against the likes of Fulham and Cardiff and Burnley and you know whoever else that they've got to play. Newcastle, yeah. Newcastle and Wolves, yeah. Um, Wolves are, will be aiming for, for Europe round about then, won't they? But you think um, hopefully Newcastle will be safe by then and, and Rafa can roll over a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as you say, that, that's a huge, huge sash for City to go and win all them games and still compete on... on on three uh, three fronts with the injuries that they've got. So, City will drop points. It's just a question of whether
0: Liverpool can capitalise on it. Just a quick one before we get into individual performances. Nine games to go, all three here. Paul, you first. Confidence still?
1: Yeah, I-, I said Liverpool were going to win the league on Boxing Day and I'm I'm sticking with it.
3: Theo? Um, see when uh, City play United, because they've got a huge week at the end of April where they have Spurs and United back-to-back. And if they're in the Champions League semi-finals, the first leg's the week after. um, That United game, it's going to Old Trafford. That will be their game in hand. So Liverpool could easily lead the way for the next six, eight weeks. So the pressure's really going to be on them then. Um, Liverpool just need to hold their nerve. And if they're in a strong position going forward, then yes. But if City do win every game, then they deserve it, don't they?
0: You've bottled that answer. James, (laughs) are you still confident?
3: Well, someone's got to.
2: (laughs) I honestly think it's a 50-50 right, channel the I, don't, well. Well, I, just, I don't know how you could possibly be just confident just after... Well, that does your,
0: how do you feel in your heart, James? Well, if you've well, got one.
2: The Blood Red podcast recorded <laughs> on the yeah. garden fence. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that,
1: Paul.
2: Well, do you know what? I, I, I'm i still a bit down, to be honest, after Sunday, no, no, you so are. it was it, like... <laughs> do you want to cuddle? I'm not... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't, you know, at the moment, it doesn't feel particularly positive, but then... You look at the next was it Burnley at home and then Fulham away, isn't it? Before the international break, and you you know you fully expect Liverpool to win those two games. They win those two, and you know and suddenly you, you feel a lot different, don't you? So um, I think the important important thing is this there is still you know, a quarter of the season left. It's not that's why you you know you do have to kind of take a step back and and think you know. Yeah, this is a wobble. Was it four draws in the last six? Um, Klopp has got some issues to deal with there, and you know I think you know, again the lack of spark for midfield is a is a, is a worry. You know Salah's form you know, it looked like he he got his his touch back in midweek, really really threatening against Watford, and then you know seemed to be wracked with doubt and you know the. the Pose, the poise and composure you associate him with was completely lacking at Goodison, so then suddenly you know when that happens you you do doubt it and think, well actually you know the big strengths that we thought would get Liverpool over the line you know if if that's not happening, then it does make you you know think again so i don't know it's
0: this isn't exactly the defiant title message that the fans crave from you james
2: no i just I just think it's too too close to to call I think. Gotcha. What did we what did we say in the pod last week? We said didn't one of the one of, someone had messaged in, haven't they? Yeah. A question oh, and said, yeah, yeah. "Would you take eight wins and two draws mm-hmm. from the last 10? And we were kind of umming and iron about that. And now I would definitely take eight wins and a draw from the last nine, um, because and I think that that's probably what is g- probably going to be required as well. Because mm-hmm. I think the, the margin for error is is very very smaller.
3: I can give us a bit of positivity here. When Adam's come in and done his crowing, and does it worry you, he said this to me and Connor, that uh, Liverpool have bottled it under the atmospheres at Old Trafford and at Goodison? Um, I'm sure when we've all done the predictions, we've said Liverpool are probably going to drop points to Spurs or Chelsea. And I think most of us still had Liverpool winning the league. So if you just say, oh, atmosphere at Anfield, that's going to be the difference. So Liverpool beat Spurs or they beat Chelsea, then Everton can be transferred in as the draw. So then, I don't know they've bottled it
0: at all. I don't don't
1: get out how you've bottled
0: it when you haven't conceded
1: it. Well, the the Edison reporter, but it's sad, isn't it? We
3: we all know what he's like. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Well, there's no
2: bottling going on, is there?
0: Except for Theo with that answer and you with that answer.
3: (laughs) 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 I've just given you some positivity (laughs) there, turning it around. I
0: just wanted a yes. A good look at Paul just gave me a good yes, didn't he? That's why he's my favourite tall man in the news, He spends
3: his day looking down on everyone because he's so tall.
0: He does, he does. Anyway, well, let's move on. Let's talk about some player performances. We'll start with the worrying one. Mohamed Salah missed the biggest chance of the game. Just looks a little bit quiet, doesn't he? At times, he had a great game in, in midweek against Watford, but two pretty poor performances at United and Goodison.
1: Yeah, the 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 one at Good um, United was completely anonymous, wasn't it? Um, the one yesterday was just two glorious chances spent. And I seen Klopp getting asked after the game by Sky Sports if it was indicative of some wider problem with Mohamed Salah because he's nowhere near the. 44 goals he scored last season, He still scored 20 this season. It was just a case of that. The first one, he's had too much time, as, not he? has gone clean through and he yeah. would have dreamed of a chance like that and he's had too much time to think about it. His first touch or it might have even been a second touch, is taken him away from goal rather than bringing him in field. And that was the difference. Uh, Pickford stood up well, got a good hand on it. And then the second one was a similar sort of circumstance with an excellent recovery from Michael Keane. Yeah. So I don't think it's um, it means that Salah's lost his mojo and he's not the player he was because it's just, it happens, doesn't it? You know, players miss chances. Um, just happens that they were uh, very good ones um, on a day when the pool didn't create much else. But you can't lay the blame at, at Salah's door for that because uh, Sadio Mane was off colour. Roberto Firmino off the bench didn't really set him much either. Ivo did okay, but he wasn't like he was against Watford during the week. Um but when, when Liverpool's front three are off colour, then that's when other play, players have to step up and that's been the big problem, hasn't it? Because there's been uh, a distinct lack of creativity from midfield for, for most of the season. And then that brings us to a the point about Klopp's subs, Shaqiri, Keita... Don't ruin all
0: my questions. And, um, <laughs> <and> just <laughs> just you one simple question. to wrap this up. <laughs> <Yeah>. there, <had> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> I get me dinner.
1: Um, but yeah, you can't lay the blame at Salah's door. One of the best players in the world for me and and off their and Park doesn't change that
0: I think we are all guilty of over-analyzing things we're doing it perhaps doing it right now and I did hear the Sky reporters' questions I, I do think you know, players do miss chances don't they Theo and Salah's still the top scorer of the Premier League am I right?
3: Second isn't he? Has is
0: Aguero overtaken he's him? Has Aguero overtaken him now he's still second top scorer yeah. of the Premier League he's still a very very good player just a couple of off performances or are you worried?
3: I'm not worried I think is um, guilty of the same thing they're both players where if they miss a chance early on Sometimes it can get mm-hmm. to them a little bit and they're thinking about it. So when the next chance comes along, they might miss that too. But we've seen some of the best players in Liverpool's history are guilty of that. Yeah. So um, I think of Steven Gerrard in the, the famous slip game. Obviously, he slipped for the rest of the game. He was trying to make up for it. And I think Mohamed Salah, Sadia Mane, they're both doing the same. Um, last year, was it in the derby as well, Mane missed that glorious chance. They're players they want to make up for it. And that's maybe where Liverpool are lacking a little bit of experience now to wipe that from the memories and just go be a bit more cold hearted on the pitch. Um, I do wish his uh, right foot was for a bit more than standing. Um, But it's instinct, isn't it? Because Mohamed Salah's missed a good chance or two at Goodison, it doesn't mean he's going to go on a massive drought. Um, He's probably still in better form than he was earlier in the season. Remember the game at Stamford Bridge? We had a proper stinker there. Mm. Everything he tried went wrong and he got subbed early. He's not at that stage yet, and he's still going to be a huge player for Liverpool the rest of the season and the rest of his Reds career.
0: James, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, slightly worried only only because it, it just seems like the number of big games that where you'd look to him as as your kind of elite match winner to really deliver that he, it didn't happen for him again. And um, you know, for whatever reason, you know he has been a bit of a flat track bully this season in terms yeah. of if you look at his goal scoring. It you know he, he tends to have done the damage against you know, the lesser teams and, and then, you know, especially in the big games, especially like those, you know, the one at Old Trafford, the one at Goodison, two, you know, real tight games that were going to come down to really fine margins. And, you know, he, he wasn't able to, to make that decisive contribution. And I think both those chances on Sunday, you know, last season, he takes, he takes both of those, I think, without, you know, absolute minimum of fuss. I think, as Gorsi said, the first one, it's the touch that kills him. The fact that he ends up going away from goal slightly, and he actually makes the angle worse than, than it should have been. Um, you know, he shouldn't. He shouldn't really have given Pickford a, a chance with that one. And, and then the second one, I think, yeah, probably the first one's still playing on his mind. He's over overthought it, and you know, he you, you're crying out for him to just you know take a touch and to get the shot away. But he dallies and gives Keane the, the chance to come back in. And there were there were other moments as well. There was one where Liverpool broke away. It was one of those ones where Everton committed players forward. Suddenly, the, the counter attack was on, and he had like options either side of him. And he ended up—I don't even know whether it was a cross or a shot—and yeah, ended up yeah, just floating it, yeah. really like tamely into the gloves of Pickford. And yeah, I mean, it, you know, you've got to put it again. You have to take a step back and go. You know, I've, I've seen. People again were kind of talking about second season syndrome and stuff. Well, yeah. Hang on a minute, like <laughs> it was <laughs> net like the idea that you know he, he, most of us not having a bad season. Yeah. It's just that what whether he likes it or not, he's always going to be judged on you know the the season he had last year. Which let's not forget, only Ian Rush had ever scored more goals yeah. in a season in Liverpool's entire history. So trying to get near to that was always going to be impossible. But. Yeah, I must admit I, I don't think you could just brush it off as a, as a bad day because he, you know he has had too many of them for my liking recently. Um and he had, yeah just I don't know why but it just seemed like a little bit of confidence has, has gone from his game especially when you know playing away from home in, in hostile environments.
0: He does seems the type of player that lets things perhaps get to his head a little bit. Does yeah. overthink things.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I think Klopp, Klopp even talks about that earlier on in the season when probably going back to I think it. I think it was kind of September time. I think it was around the time Liverpool went to Napoli in the in the Champions League. And remember, Klopp over there us doing a chat with him, and he was saying then about having to kind of reassure Mo that you know just forget you Don't you can't judge yourself against last season because last season was just you know a freak. You know you never you were never going to score you know forty four goals or whatever this this time around don't beat yourself up at, at not being at the same level and looking at oh, how many did I have this time last year compared to to then so yeah whether that's whether that's part of it again at the moment but you know that's where Klopp's man management has to come to the fore because um, you know he, he desperately needs to to get more out of Salah over the you know these last what was what it you know two months of the season.
0: Mm. Of course it reminded me a little bit of but City, City away, obviously the five nil last season. Yeah, and he had a couple yeah. of good chances early doors, and, and he was just seemed to be overthinking things, and then he just clicked into gear later in the season. Do you think he's that sort of player that once he gets one, it does settle him down a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, I think he, I think he kind of proved that earlier in the season, didn't he? When people were saying he was a, a one season flash in the pan, and then he went on a bit of a run, and I think round about December time, when his goals were really big goals. You know, you think of the one at, at Napoli or against Napoli rather than Anfield that sealed the pools placing the last 16 in the Champions League but the chance against Everton yesterday the first one reminds me very much of the one he missed against I think it was Stoke last season where he was in the form of his career and he went through and he had all the time in the world to pick a spot and he ended up putting it wide yeah. within like the first five minutes Everyone was celebrating weren't they yeah, as well yeah. Everyone was I, t- I think the goal would have been a milestone one. it would have been his 40th maybe or yeah. and everyone had already you think you? would Written up the tweet hadn't you.
0: Like, <laughs> all those exclamation marks. Yeah, yeah. Um
1: and he put that one wide and Liverpool ended up drawing 0-0 and it wasn't a huge result because Liverpool were quite comfortable in the top four race anyway. But um it was similar to that. It was it was a chance that came early and then um, once it once it went missing, it was um he was struggling to get it back. And I, I agree with what Theo says. I think it, it does kind of play on his mind when when stuff like that happens soon, but um as I say, it's not an off season, but if he rediscovered his touch for the next six weeks, Liverpool uh, would have a, a much greater chance of overthrowing Man City.
0: Theo, let's talk about a tall, powerful colossus of a man. What do you think of your teammate Paul <laughs> <Ghost>? <laughs> Uh
3: Yeah, he's got a good touch for a big man, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah,
0: yeah. But in all oh, seriousness, let's talk about Virgil van Dijk. One of the best derby performances in one of the worst derbies you'll, you'll ever see he was just outstanding on the end of everything, won every header. Um, they, they don't come much better than that do they
3: it's almost getting boring because we're saying it every yeah, single week yeah. he is just superb um, the fact that Liverpool are now second behind City and we're still saying he's probably going to win, or walk all those individual awards I think he's won another what one today the PFA mm-hmm. fans won mm-hmm. um, what, what a signing 75 yeah, million yeah. it looks like pocket money now doesn't it mm-hmm. he's going to go down as one of Liverpool's greatest centre backs and we're in, what a year just over into his Liverpool career um, I know Garth Crooks has suggested if the title doesn't go to Anfield, <laughs> uh, he might be going to Barca or Real Madrid, but I don't think he's, there's been any inclination. Oh, I can't say that. Inclination, there we go. The, uh, he's got his heart going anywhere but Anfield.
0: James, he's got to be nailed on for PFA Player of the Year, do you not think?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm. I think the only thing that worries you slightly is that if you know if Liverpool didn't win the league, it's quite mm. rare for the Player of the Year to yeah. go to someone who doesn't win the league. That, and then, what
0: when's it voted now? Has that changed? Yeah, and, and I think that's
2: helped things. With, well, it's now later in the season that mm. the voting. Where before, I think it was like around this time mm. previously, and I think now it's probably another month down the line mm. now that they do it. Um But yeah, I don't. I don't see how he can possibly. It would be ridiculous if if anyone gets. It. I don't even. I wouldn't even know who, who would even push him close, I think. think, He
3: changes what, Aguero if he scores another couple of hat-tricks and easily walks away. You would have perhaps
0: talked about Fernandinho earlier in the season, but perhaps not now. And
2: his his consistency is just, you know, it is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I I, I think, I know Liverpool's pressing made them do it at times, but it was bizarre the way Everton approached that in terms of, you know, they kept on hitting it long towards Calvert-Lewin and Van Dijk just kept on saying, well, thanks very much, yeah, I'll win this one. And, Um, Yeah, it was just unbelievable. Even even towards the end when you think, well, it didn't turn into a proper chance with Bernard just drifting across the edge of the penalty box and all the fans ran by us thought, you know, is this the moment? And then Van Dijk just steps in, takes Mm -hmm. it off his toe. Thanks Mm -hmm. very much. And he was, yeah, in a, you know, Klopp described it as a wild game, didn't he? And, you know, in a game where so many players around him were mediocre, so many players around him showed no composure um, and there was no kind of calmness and control. He looked like he was playing a different game to everyone else, and yeah, um, yeah just just absolutely head and shoulders above everyone else. You know, he, you know, the only you know on a frustrating day, you know, one thing was what's that? Five clean sheets in a yeah, row now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's as many in the Premier League now as Liverpool kept in the in the whole of last season. Um, Allison, I thought behind Van Dyke was great again. Not that he had a huge amount to do, but you know, it again. In a, in a in a hostile environment like that, you want him to be positive and come off his line and claim crosses, and command his penalty box. He he did all of that. You know, one one save that he that he pulled off pretty comfortably. Um, he never so, yeah. looks like he's going to
0: flap any corners, does no, he? Like no, no. Just he, I think you know the the,
2: the 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 kind of the spine of the team there is so strong, and it with Van Dyke no. and Allison behind him, and um, yeah, just frustrating for Van Dyke the fact that that he wasn't part of a winning performance because you know, I think. He certainly deserved to, you know, more than anyone else on that pitch. Deserved to walk away with all three points.
1: T- just a point on Van Dijk, like I tell you how you know he's good because I didn't see one Everton fan yesterday not saying how good he was. Yeah. He wasn't a fraud. He wasn't a, an overpriced Michael Keane. Did he not uh, bottle it now? No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Bot- there wasn't any criticism of it. It was all if Liverpool didn't have Van Dijk, dot dot dot. It, it, even Everton fans yeah. were saying how good he was, and that, that that's the the mark of the performance he put in yesterday Imagine if
3: you could have 11 Virgil van Dijks I think they'd already say Liverpool four champions
1: my, my struggle for the bit, yeah. a bit of creativity in the
3: final yeah. no, he's got a great pass on him yeah. Strong in the air yeah. I,
1: think, I think James
0: just knit the eh, hell knit the hell hit the nail on the head by saying that he'd be frustrated that he wasn't on the winning team and he'd be very frustrated if Liverpool don't win trophies with him in the team because players as good as he do he is deserve to win trophies don't they
1: yeah and you We've we've spoken so much about him this season, and, and I I still find it strange that he got to the point in his career where he was playing for Southampton. It, it, you know, no disrespect to Southampton, but
0: but a lot of disrespect
1: Yeah, he was at was maybe what was he twenty five, twenty six, and he was still playing for a, a middle of the road Premier League team. Um,
0: he was probably a late bloomer, though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah.
1: and he, he, he hadn't had that many caps for Holland until he took over the captaincy yeah. last year under Ronald Koeman. So Uh, I do do find it strange, but, um, you know, what a a defender he is now. He's undoubtedly one of the best in the world. Could quite feasibly make a claim for being the best. Um, And Liverpool's Achilles heel was resolved pretty much overnight as soon as he walked through the door.
2: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Klopp substitutions. um, questioned yesterday, I think the Sky Sports panel questioned them and he was questioned in his press conference and wasn't very happy about it. So it's not, not like PlayStation. Um, Theo, does he have a point or, or what What do you think of his substitutions? Are you not quite sure what he's, what he's trying to bring to the Liverpool team when he brings those players on?
3: Um, yeah, they are a bit baffling yesterday um, when Liverpool are drawing 0-0. They need a goal. Bringing on Adam Alana who hasn't scored since the last day of, um, against Middlesbrough what two seasons ago. Uh, Shakiri, God knows what he's done wrong. He, uh, yes, he wasn't at his best when he has been given the chance since Christmas. But first half of the season, he was the real game changer off the bench. And then we saw at Old Trafford when um, he turned to sturridge early on when Firmino came mm-hmm. off. Um, granted, though, it's not all gone against him. Diva Karigi's come in. He started these two games when he hasn't been expected to. I think he's done a pretty decent job. Might not have yeah. got mm-hmm. goal score, um, got a goal against Everton, but he was causing Coleman a lot of trouble. Um, it's a squad game, isn't it? When Liverpool are going through this sticky uh, patch, I suppose it's understandable why he's maybe looking elsewhere in the squad to see if they can find the answer. But it's when um, he was keeping faith with Nabi Keita, for example, trying to get him to play through it, and he was just finding form, and now he's fallen off as well. So it's bizarre, but we'll see what happens in the next few weeks.
2: Is
0: it, is the answer that Klopp simply doesn't trust Nabi Keita in these two types of games?
2: Yeah, I think that trust has to be the, the main reason. I think... Um yeah, I do, I do find it odd the way that he's handled they handled him because he he gave him that run of games as Theo said so when he, you know, he wasn't there were times when he wasn't that great you think first half at West Ham really poor second half at West Ham promising signs and I know Klopp said after that game he said he was one of the first names on the team sheet for the next one because he wanted him to get that rhythm and there were there were signs that he could build on it and you know it wasn't that long ago we were talking about the Bournemouth game the, the win at Anfield I think he was involved in all three goals that day that Certainly, the first three, I think it was that you know that that was like, oh, Naby Kate has now arrived as a Liverpool player. That's it, you know, that, that's lift off. We're really going to yeah. see what he's made of now. And yeah, you know, he did all right first half against Bayern Munich, then faded badly. I think he got taken off second half. And then, yeah, I think you know, it's you know, I think you can't, you, you know, Klopp obviously wouldn't say it, but it has to be a trust thing because you know, two massive away games and he hasn't he hasn't been been near the team and i thought it was odd not bringing him on yesterday i thought i thought milner for Alden was quite a you know a pretty uninspiring change at a time where the game had massively opened up everton were starting to show some more ambition and and liverpool just needed a bit more spark and guile in, in midfield and um you know it, it's difficult isn't it because obviously i i think it's strange the way he's handled Cater in the last month or so but then Klopp's the one that sees him training mm-hmm. every day. You know, he wouldn't, if, if he thought he was ready and, and capable of making an impact, you know, it obviously he would have been out there and the Shaqiri one is very, very baffling when you know, he's gone from being like the go-to man off the bench in the first half of the season. And I think there was a, a period where, you know, I think I think after he'd scored those goals against United at Anfield when he came on, I think he'd, he'd started 10 games for Liverpool and had six goals and three assists. And um, you know, we were talking about him being the signing, the bargain signing of 2018, and and, and obviously you know, when Chelsea announced that they'd uh, they, they'd sign the, the lad from Dortmund, Pulisic, mm-hmm. that um, Liverpool were saying, oh, we were no longer interested in Pulisic from from pretty much when we got Shakiri, He was our Pulisic alternative, and you know you, I fully expected Shakiri to kick on and play an even greater role in the second half of the season, but yeah, for whatever reason. You know, he's he's you know, Klopp seemed to be giving him a, a a bit of a rollicking before he'd even brought him on on against Man United last weekend at Old Trafford, and then again at Goodison. You know, with the way that Shakira is, with just how self confident he's got that streak of arrogance, I think mm. I think he would have absolutely loved walking out there and getting fifteen twenty minutes at Goodison. Mm. But you know, for whatever reason, you know, and that was that was the problem. I thought I thought Silver's subs actually made Everton better and Klopp's subs made Liverpool worse in the in the second half. Um, Firmino didn't look right. His touch was letting him down. Milner didn't have a positive impact on the game. And I, I just didn't understand why you'd bring on Lallana before Shakiri or Keita, who I thought both of them would be more likely to get you a goal.
0: Paul, far be it from me to disagree with James, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit and say that I think Klopp's substitutions weren't wrong. The performances of the players that came on perhaps are a little bit poor, but Firmino was a natural choice. I don't think anyone was going to sit there and say mm. he shouldn't have brought Firmino on. I can understand why he brought Milner on. He played well in midweek against Watford. It was a, I don't think he trusts Keita to play in that sort of atmosphere and that that sort of battle. And all right, Lalana's probably the one you look at and go, well, why Lalana? But Lalana actually found a bit of space and he played him, didn't he? Just behind the the, the Firmino. And it, he was actually finding space on the break, but okay, he wasn't doing a great deal with it. What did you make of his substitutions, and what what do you think of the Kater Shakiri situations?
1: Yeah, I, I, James called it uninspired there with Milner coming on for Wayne Aldam. It was very safe, but you know what you're going to get with James Milner. You know, tireless work ethic, determination, always up for the battle. No real problem with that one, even though Milner didn't have his best game when he come on. Um, I know he was playing right back at Old Trafford, but he he was pretty poor that afternoon as well. But the Lalana one was a was an uh, interesting one because. If you, if you just look at the, the, the basic facts, Liverpool have paid £52 million for Naby Cater in the summer. Um, he's, what, second is he or third? Most expensive Liverpool player ever. And then you're bringing on Adam Lallana, who's barely featured all season, played here and there ahead of him. Um, that was a really interesting one. And I think it, it does come down to an issue of trust, whether Klopp thinks you can't trust Naby Cater in the middle of the park, in the Goodison Park, Um you know, such a hostile atmosphere for half an hour or whatever it was. It's a strange one, but it's something that Klopp's going to have to work out because Liverpool are going to have to get something for what they paid, essentially, and at some point he's going to have to be given a chance to deliver or, you know, basically tell sh- Klopp that he's the man for t- to be playing in these type of games and that it- you can only do that through doing it on the pitch when he's given a chance or in training. So I was um, a little bit myth with the, the Lalana one but I could see why Milner come on and, and obviously it was the obvious one but Shaqiri again that's another intriguing one because as James says earlier in the season he was the go-to man wasn't he come off the bench against United and settle the game in Liverpool's favour I think he scored another off the bench against Cardiff was it earlier in the season so for him not to get a look in in, in these two games and Liverpool are crying out for a little bit of inspiration um, okay he did come on at Old Safford, but particularly yesterday it was uh, really strange
3: Makes it more baffling as well as the runner games and like all the situations around it. So, um, you think Bayern Munich is his former club, didn't play in that one, mm. that's the game you put him in. Uh, Firmino injured, we think the obvious solution would be, oh, Salah goes up front, put Shakiri on the right again. He's gone, oh no, we'll put Origi there. So, it's just really odd what the thinking is there. Um, if Shakiri doesn't play away at Bayern, then I think you've got to ask even more questions because he's going to be up for this. He's going to be up for a game against United, Old Trafford, Everton at Goodison. We're seeing the confidence he's got. We're seeing the goal celebration. He wants to go in and make that impact. And if we're not, Klopp's not turning into him. You've got to ask why.
0: This, well, this might sound a bit harsh, and I might, I might be way off. Probably I'm way off. But James, is there any worries about his attitude that has been in the past at other clubs? You know, we haven't seen him a lot. Is, is that like? Could that be a reason why? Well, that's spe- that's pure yeah, speculation that's
2: p- yeah, yeah yeah I must admit I haven't heard that that he, mm. you know there's pe- people are, I've spoken to him who only had good things to say yeah. about Shakiri in terms of the way that he's kind of knuckled down and and you know and completely bought into what Liverpool are trying to do so I honestly don't know I, I mm. you know I think it'll be a topic of debate when we see Klopp later in the week ahead of the Burnley game because um you know I think it is a genuine issue now because you know, as we said you know he he was so important, you know whether that was on starting games or coming off the bench in the first half of the season now Klopp clearly doesn't fancy him for whatever reason um you know, whether that's because he, whether he's not producing the goods in training i you know I, I i honestly i don't know but yeah i've been I've been really surprised he's been overlooked the number of times he has been of late and um yeah just just in general, you, know, you think you think in the first half of the season there was there was a lot of games where Klopp seemed to have the Midas touch in terms of mm. playing, bringing players on and then making contributions and, uh, you know, and, and really changing games for the better. And it, that seems to have dried up since, I can't, I can't even think, since the turn of the year, has there been a substitute who's come on and, and really improved Liverpool?
0: No, I don't
1: think I nothing, nothing major jumps out at you, does it? No.
0: I can't think of a goal since, Shaqiri, since Shaqiri against at, United.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's...
0: I'd be wrong, but
2: yeah, just yeah. It, it just feels in general you know the first half of the season there were so many like fine margins in games that went Liverpool's way, and mm. you kind of looked at the first half of the season and there was kind of I remember doing a piece and it was almost like eight or nine games you could have picked where there was like a big moment which you know could easily have gone either way, and, and, and without fail they seem to have gone Liverpool's way, and then you know since since the turn of the year it feels like you know that that that's shifted and they seem to be on the other side of it now with regrets. I mean Leicester to me Lester, that draw against Leicester seems like the start yeah. of this kind of wobble. And yeah. you know, I think if Liverpool had won that it would have gone seven points seven. clear, is that right? And that's the key game. Yeah. I think that feels like the key game. And then even, you know, one incident that jumps out from that one is, you know, Cater being hacked down yeah. in the box should have mm-hmm. been a penalty, you know, if, if Liverpool win that game, Cater was the one that earned, you know, the the winning goal and you know it's you know, a big, you know, a nice moment for him. You know, a big, big win for Liverpool. But yeah, for you know, it, it just it seems that what what was a big strength for Liverpool in that first half of the season, it, you know, it is, is is actually a weakness at the moment because they're not improving when when Klopp makes those changes.
0: Yeah, Paul, just a quick word on that midfield. Klopp's gone for the same midfield twice, hasn't he? Old Trafford, Anik, Goodison, um, but a lot of people unhappy the creativity of the midfield, of Henderson, Fabinho and them and Is that an issue or is there a reason why Klopp picks that midfield in, in these sorts of games?
1: I think he just favours a little bit more solidity, doesn't he, than, than creativity. I think he's probably relying on the front three to, to yeah. provide that spark. Um, and when when they don't, then the onus is immediately looked to the midfield. Um, because you can't be overly critical of, of that front three, the amount of goals they score for Liverpool week in, week out, most most times. So... If they're not doing the business, you can't start, you know, completely slating them. So then you look to the midfield and and you you're struggling to, to think of of someone who's going to pull the rabbits out the hat. You know, Wan Aldum, you know, what a goal he scored against Bournemouth, but, but he, he wasn't particularly uh, creating much yesterday. Fabinho likes to go forward with it, doesn't he, when he can? And it was it was him who sent Mohamed Salah scurrying through. But I think. Um, I think long-term, that is a bit of an issue for Liverpool. Where did you get that creative spark from in the middle of the park? Perhaps they're already in the ranks with Shaqiri or Keita, but at the moment, they're not getting much of a look in.
0: OK, let's end on a, a very positive note then. Um, you talk about creativity in the midfield. One man on his way back on Friday evening, James. Is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it'd be great to see him back in a Liverpool shirt. Um, so yeah, We had the story on the weekend that he was is, he was on the brink of, of a comeback for... You know, Klopp's decided he wants him to play a couple of games for Liverpool in the 23s to build up as much fitness before considering him for a first team return. So yeah, they'd considered the mini derby at, at Anfield on Monday night. Um, although, you know, I think I got the impression last week that Derby County away on Friday afternoon, which is at Derby's training ground at two o'clock. That, you know, I felt that was the more realistic one for him, and that's what they've decided on. I think. It would have been nice in a way for it to be under the lights at Anfield, his return. But I think part of Liverpool's thinking would have been is a Merseyside Derby, which, yeah. you know, even at that level is pretty hotly contested. The tackles will be flying in. Is that the best place for a, a £40 million pound midfielder who hasn't played competitive football for 11 months? So I think Derby Dar- County away on a Friday afternoon is probably uh, a more gentle introduction to to life back with his uh, his boots on properly. So uh, no, a massive boost. I think the only thing that slightly concerns me a little bit is just the the, the massive buzz because because of where Liverpool are clearly lacking at yeah. the moment. I, th- I get this sense that people think that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is going to walk back into the mm. Liverpool team, yeah. um, you know, and, and suddenly light the place up. And I just think there's got to be a dose of realism thrown in as well, because after 11 months out, you know, it's... I don't think we'll see the best of him till next season. You know, that's not to say he won't have a part to play in this title challenge and and hopefully it will be a a big part to play. But yeah, I think so, you know, people just need to be realistic because it'd be interesting to see when he, when Klopp does decide he is ready, you know, whether it, whether we'll see him, you know, I'd imagine it'll be the next, you know, the other side of the international break. Yeah. Um, Because they, you know, they won't want to take any risks with him, but um, yeah, massive, massive boost. Um, you know in testament to him the fact that when you think back to August time Liverpool had pretty much ruled him out the entire season so the fact we're you know, not even in mid-March and, and he's he's preparing to play again is, is says a lot about his attitude and the way that he's he's committed himself to his rehab
0: Yeah, Theo Gorsley how, how would he fit into your midfields once fully fit
1: well I agree with James actually I think next season will be yeah. when we see the best of him particularly after a full pre-season under his belt um I'd I'd be mindful of playing him a little bit ahead of maybe of a little axis of Wine Alder and Fabinho and pushing Oxley Chamber a little bit more ahead into that attack midfield role that he was making his own, wasn't he, before his injury eleven months ago. Um I think that's where he's best suited when he's uh, he's fully fit and firing.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah, I'd agree with that. Um with then Alden, but then if we see the real navigator, navigator probably fits in alongside one of the two, depending on whether you want him to go for a more attack in midfield against the Burnleys at home or if you go into Old Trafford. Um, I think we've got to look at previous examples of players coming back from such an injury yeah. like Joe Gomez. He took, what, a year to really get back yeah. to his best. Danny Ings broke down, what, twice, was it? Um he yeah, got, <laughs> he's got to the I'm excited. Like he's <laughs> going to break down. But um, sure I think the <laughs> with Oxley Chamberlain, it's more the- what he brings to the rest of the players and to the fans. Yeah. Like it's going to be such a boost to the yeah. players to yeah. see him on the pitch, to the fans to see him on the pitch. He he's a positive character. Yeah. Isn't he? yeah, it doesn't matter if he's going to be setting up goals, scoring goals. Just being on the on the bench, coming on for five minutes, is going to lift the place. And hopefully, that can be enough of an impact in these final weeks of the season.
0: Lovely. Right, that's your lot for today. Liverpool's dreadful, unbeaten record in the World Cup final (laughs) continues. And we'll be back on Friday to talk Burnley and perhaps a bit more Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. See you then. Bye-bye.
2: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.